Hello and welcome back to Cloisterbell, a weekly Doctor Who podcast hosted by Liam and Rob. Hello and welcome to the Cloister Bell podcast, where today Rob and I will be returning back to Doctor Who, The Legacy of Time, where we'll be looking at um, the second episode, The Split Infinitive. Yep, we've recently looked at part one, which was called Lies and Ruins. Mm-hmm. Had, had to think for a moment there. Yeah, um, we say recently, but it's uh, I think it was the back end of July, I think we looked at it, which was when... Was it really? Uh, yeah, I think so, which is when The Legacy of Time um, first came out. And then we'll have we've had a bit of a break, and then uh, and then we were just thinking, why haven't we gone back to listen to it? So fi- finally, we've come round to it and uh, uh, to the second part. Yeah, and it's got us thinking that maybe we don't need to be as tied down with the schedule that would that would had planned. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, so probably being a bit uh, flexible because, um, as probably a lot of uh, listeners have have noticed, that we were going through the big Finnish audio adventures. Uh, the Doctor Who ones, that is, and we were going through them in release order, which is fine, nothing wrong with that. But we, uh, we, and we will be going back to um, that later on. Uh, Return to the Genocide Machine. Uh, but we thought we'll just have a little bit, little, can't get my words out. Uh, a little bit of a break from that, um, and we thought, well, perfect. Let's just go back to the Legacy of Time because it seemed a bit odd that we reviewed the first episode. And then just sort of abandon the story. And I'm pleased we have come back to it. Um, I'm so, quite excited to get through it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, especially because we, we did largely enjoy the first episode and we were very keen to to dive back into it. Um, you know, certain things got in the way. So with a split infinitive, it's by John Doney. And the plot synopsis is a criminal gang appears to have recruited a member with time-bending powers. It's a case for the countermeasures team in the 1960s and the 1970s. So the Seventh Doctor and Ace have their work cut out to save the day twice over and make sure Gilmore, Rachel and Alison don't collide with their past or their future. Had you listened to any of the countermeasures audios, no? No, no, I hadn't. And like when we were listening to uh, Lies and Ruins, one thing that you and I both agreed on was that actually this it, it's really got us interested in listening to the... Um, Bernie Summerfield adventures uh having listened to this it was just like I really really want to listen to the countermeasure uh, adventures now because this was a corker how about you I haven't listened to any I've just looked on the the big finish um bargains they've got this week and the first series was done with tenor I think so it had me tempted <laughs> oh right yeah um I've just started a new job at the, uh, at the moment and um so I'm waiting for my first uh, my first wage, uh, which is because I've just started. I've I've passed the. Uh... Anyway, I'm waiting to get paid. So uh, big fin because big finish uh, at the time of recording have done seems to be a few weeks in a row where there's been some absolutely fantastic bargains, uh, but with this one I've I've just missed it because I really need to get paid. They bring them out at the worst times. I know. Damn you, big finish. <laughs> <laughs> Do they do these in relation to when I yeah. can afford them? Anyway, yeah. But, uh... um, and I've just had my birthday last month, so I've got my birthday money set aside, and I'm just looking for some really good deals. But uh, <laughs> by the time I've spent it, the good stuff will be on offer. It's all good. 
but the stuff I want. Yeah, no, that's true. It's because uh, I've recently got into the well, fairly recently. Uh, I think it's about two months ago. I finally started getting into the uh, the Blake Seven audio adventures, and they are absolutely fantastic. I love Blake Seven, the TV series, and um, the series one, series two, and I've listened to most of the Liberator Chronicles, and. They are fantastic. They're, they're really good cracking stories and uh, they really add to the TV series. Anyway, um, so got those and then pretty much soon as I've got those, big finish, then uh, <laughs> released a lot of them on uh, uh, on and sale. I yeah. Just, I was just, oh, me, my bloody timing. But anyway. So what have you got of the main series? Have you, just, have you got the first two? Uh, yes. So I've got uh, first two series and... I've got all the Liberator Chronicles, so I've just been working my way through the, through those, uh, and th- and they're really good. Uh, and then once once I've got paid and bills have been paid and all the rest of it, um, I'll then then get into series three, which I think is called the Spoils of War. Cool. Um, Did you ever pick up the first one? That it came out before series one, the standalone one. Oh, I think I know which one you mean. Well, actually, funny enough, uh, because. Um, Again, at the time of recording, big finish of uh, one of their their deals was um, the uh, the last chance on on CD. They discounted. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, so so that was on offer, and I thought that w- that was going for ten pounds, and I was like, oh well, I'm able to get that and treat myself for a little bit. Uh, so yes, I've got that, but I haven't listened to it yet. I think BBC Radio did did broadcast them quite a few years ago and I remember listening to I think the first two episodes and being quite impressed but missed the rest um, so yeah I have got that but I haven't got around to listening to it yet so before we move on ahead um, I think we'll just do a little spoiler warning here surely if you have if you haven't listened to um, the split infinitive you won't be here listening to this do you, do you think well, hopefully, I mean, well, that's a thing. Sort of like people's approaches are a bit different. You know, people sometimes review it as a, you know, try to be um, spoiler-free as possible. Yeah. But yes, no, it's it's good that you've uh, reminded us to do the warning. So yes, uh, we will be reviewing the Split Infinitive as though you have listened to it. Yeah. Uh, so you haven't listened to the uh, the Legacy of Time. Um, we recommend that you go away, uh, listen to it, and and then come back. Yeah, totally. Not the other way around. <laughs> yeah. I noticed on some DVD commentary sometimes the cast are like baffled that they've been told not to give spoilers. <laughs> like people might be checking out the commentary first. <laughs> Surely no one does that. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. And um, before we do get started, should we do that predictive text thing you were talking about? Oh, yes. Um, so anyway, what it is is that um, in the last podcast when, when we were reviewing the Centauran experiment, I, we ended up doing this, this jokey thing where ended up doing some daft predictive text thing and we thought well that was quite funny and I, I wanted to do it again so uh, it's catchily called Doctor Who title meets predictive text so am I put will I put the Legacy of Time or the Split Infinitive in? Well I was going to do the Split Infinitive. Alright I'll do the Legacy of Time then so okay. right to go. What's it called? The, the Legacy This game? <laughs> Oh, was oh, Doctor Who title meets predictive text. It's Doctor catchy. It'll catch on. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, but we'll come up with a shorter. <laughs> the Matrix Messenger. No. That sounds better. Anyway, so okay, the Legacy of Time is a good thing 
to do with the Doctor and the Master throughout the morning. Ah, charming. Mine <laughs> is the split infinitive was the way to get to the moon and back. Now, from the time of the year and the next time trailer is coming soon, so I get to the next podcast. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Love it. <laughs> so, on to the split infinitive. Um, you did um, the plot synopsis before, didn't you? Um, yeah, yeah. So basically the seventh Doctor and Ace arrive in the 70s and 60s, respectively. Yeah. Visiting their old mates, the Countermeasures gang from um, the 1998 McCoy story, Remembrance of the Daleks. Mm-hmm. Um, and events from both time periods are occurring at the same time, relative to one another, if that makes sense. And the gang in each time period has to figure out what's going on. Yeah, I, re- I really like this. Um this episode in fact it, it seemed to meet two of my uh, my favorite things so obviously you've got the science fiction element but there was a sort of detective story going on and it was a bit bondesque and in fact goldfinger and thunderball get name checked at the very beginning of it and that, and that's quite a nice way to establish that the 1960s part of the story is in 1964 um and the 1970s is directly 10 years later so that's 1974 but because i'm a big bond fan and that was at the very that was at the very beginning so i kind of got a bit of a thrill just from listening to those uh being name checked um but yeah this was a sort of a detective story meet science fiction thing and i really really enjoyed that i did i did like the opening scene i was a bit puzzled at the time how that um was the bad guy kazan mm-hmm yeah, I was um, a bit confused how he disappeared, but it was uh, explained later on. Um, oh, and the McCoy theme. That was like a, re- a good refreshing change, because we've been knuckled down with a classic big finish, and it's been the same old 60s theme, hasn't it, all the time? Yeah, yeah, it has nothing wrong with the 60s theme. It is really good. But um, I really like uh, the McCoy theme, uh, adapted by um, Kef McCulloch, I think. Um, I know that a lot of people tend to cite it as the, their least favourite, but I just think it's great and it's absolutely yeah. glorious. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it was brilliant. So you had this really good uh, pre-title sequence um, establishing sort of um, the feel of the story and that it, it is kind of a bit action-packed. And then you go crashing into the eighties, uh, the late 80s theme. Oh, it was just brilliantly listened to. Yeah, because the first episode, Lies and Ruins, I'm pretty sure that's the Time War theme. I think you said that. Yeah, yeah. So after the McCoy opening titles, <laughs> we go to the briefing scene with the countermeasures team. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about what's been going on with um, Kazan. I think I said Kazan before. <laughs> oh, Kazan. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And I'm just going, yeah, 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 that's right. Sorry. Yeah, Kazan. Yeah. <laughs> um, to me, it transitioned like, too swiftly between the 60s and the 70s. And... I'm not afraid to admit, I just I was lost for a moment. Oh, right, okay. Because I, um, I think my attention maybe wasn't there for a second, and I'm like, hang on a second, <laughs> what's going on? I actually thought it was I thought it was really well written, because um, that's one of the things, I mean, yeah, it, it's one of those stories where it's dealing with the complexities of time travel, so I think in some ways it can be a story that you can get a bit lost in, Yeah. Uh, for, in terms of following it. But I think uh, John Doney, um, who's the author... 
I actually think he has tremendous fun with it. Um, and I actually like those opening moments because oh, it's a bit difficult when I, uh, for what I'm about to say because it makes me like I'm trying to sound, make myself sound like a smart ass in comparison. Uh, but I can't help that. Um, but anyway, uh, I, I, I cottoned on that it was able it, that it was the 60s and then it was going into the 70s. But the, the scenes were sort of mirroring each other with the way that the dialogue was falling, just with slight alterations. Yeah, um, I love I love the contrast between them, the mm-hmm. differences and the similarities. Yeah, yeah, and I think you've got the way that the the Doctor and Ace respectively are describing the situation, how these things are taking place within ten years di- uh, ten year difference, but it's also occurring concurrently. Yeah, um, I think it's explained quite well, but it's aided even further by the confusion of some of the countermeasures team. Yeah, uh, you know, and how they're trying to rack their their minds around it and uh so there's a bit of a humor it sort of works there's a bit of a humor there but it also aids the um the understanding of the story yeah i mean it's good how ace's um version of describing what's going on about the temporal anomaly um seems to go down better than the doctors did yeah she's like um the future and the past are just getting smushed together (laughs) and they kind of clicked on a bit better well, that sort of reminded me of uh, the bit in Remembrance of the Daleks when she's the one who's actually explaining the reason why you've got these two Dalek factions fighting one another. And oh, she's yes. described, you know, it's like you've got these two blobs. <laughs> uh, you know, they hate each other's difference in blobbiness or whatever it was. So that the, the, the way that she describes uh, the time anom- anomaly in this story kind of reminded me of that. Yeah, I didn't think of that. But yeah, totally. The Doctor mentions talking a Dalek to death. Um, yes. Well, of course we know what that is. Um, mm. What did you make of that scene in Remembrance? I know we might revisit Remembrance very soon, mm-hmm. but what did you think of that scene in Remembrance? Oh, I think I think it's one of the, the, the best scenes in, in classic Doctor Who. It's really quite... It's sort of a mixture of being tremendously exciting, but really rather chilling. Um, because basically the, the Doctor's going to a Dalek and saying how it has absolutely no purpose in life anymore which is quite dark but at the same time it's sort of like well it's a bloody Dalek it sort of deserves it but at the same yes. time that it's sort of oh but it is there is a bit of a nasty streak there's a lot yeah. going on in actually what is seemingly a very simple scene with just a few few lines of dialogue I really like that scene yeah initially when I first ever saw that I thought um, it was almost like he was presenting a computer with a logic problem Mm. So initially, I didn't, I didn't quite like it. I'm like, well, it's a life form, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but uh, I see what you mean. Yeah, it is quite a, quite a dark thing. <laughs> Talking it to death. <laughs> Talking of which, this is a podcast. <laughs> I like the whole thing with um, Group Captain Gilmore getting a bit miffed about the over and out. Oh yes, I really like that. Should be simply uh, out. Yes, yeah, yeah, and uh, and Ace going, you've lost that. Have you not seen any movies and TV and stuff? And I like the the sort of the, the banter between um, the, the stuff about um, cultural references and how they sort of can get lost. Um, so you know, Ace is obviously mentioning stuff which is concurrent to her, which is completely lost to Group Captain Gilmore. Then Group yeah. Captain Gilmore is uh, is referencing a series of of um, films which were released in the thirties to the fifties, I think. Uh, and she's just like, what, the, what on earth are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Is there any um, annoying misconceptions that um, that get you raging that people say? 
like over and out. Uh, there probably is. I can't. I can't think of anything at the moment out of the top of my head, though. <laughs> probably. How about you? Yeah. Um, oh, I don't know. Oh, um, when people say they're gonna Hoover, I'm like, well, it's vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you lost that battle a long time ago, Rob. Yeah. Frankenstein. Should be Frankenstein's monster. Oh, only twats come out with that one. Um, yeah. Although, <laughs> the, it, this is resolved in Doctor Who. Is it? In Big Finish, yes. Um, Mary Shelley. Um, in um, the first episode of Mary's Story. I can't... Maybe I'm giving too much away. But um, that misconception um, is dealt with quite well. Yeah. And actually, Rob, it's probably pronounced Frankenstein. I think you lost that battle. <laughs> Did you get the reference? No. Ah. Uh, Young Frankenstein. Ah, uh, okay. I'll <laughs> <laughs> oh, watch that now. There's a scene later on where everyone's saying over to the doctor and he just doesn't bother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yeah, as I was saying, it's sort of, uh, I really like the story. I, th- I think it's a cracking good story. And there's a lot of action to it. And it's, you know, they got the um, wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey science fiction element of it and the action Bond-esque thing. But there is a lot of humour in it and it's just a... Yeah. yeah. Did you find yourself laughing out loud at a few moments? Yes, I can't think of anything, um, anything particular. But yeah, I did like it. Mm. I liked the old, you know, little interactions that we had. Oh, um, so when Ace and Gilmore read the bank with um, Kazan... Not Kazan. I keep reading that wrong. <laughs> um, they see this mysterious um, punching. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Do you think this min- this mystery will be answered later by the end of the series? Just so the listeners know, me and Liam have only listened to Lies and Ruins and um, the Split Infinitive, so we don't know how it's going to go. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, this was the, this was the sense that that I got with uh, certainly with the way that the episode ends there is this feeling of well who was he why did it happen yeah um yeah so i the sense that i got was that this um is is really sort of even though it's the second episode is probably the the actual setting up of the story and the mystery yeah. of it of course in lies and ruins we had the post credit scene with the siren oh yes yes um, and of course, this whole planet was an experimental TARDIS. Yeah. So could Punch and be the pilot of this TARDIS? Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. That's I a, also yeah. had another thought, which kind of bummed me out a bit. Um, you know, the whole thing of the siren yeah. leaving the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, hang on, the siren was in this eternal struggle with the Temperon last time we saw it in the Sirens of Time. Mm-hmm. So it had me thinking... Is this not going to be resolved? Is this, is this implying that this is the origin of the siren? Ah, oh, no, that I uh, definitely hadn't th- considered that. So that oh, would be disappointing. Uh, possibly, but then uh, I mean, because yeah, maybe I don't know. I suppose it's it's one of those things of maybe it would depend if that if that's the way that the story goes, how they tell it. Mm-hmm. I mean, because um, the legacy of time was was made and released to celebrate big finish doing 20 years of Doctor Who adventures. Um, 
and that would obviously tie it in more to the very first one that they did um yeah. i hope it does become more relative mm. as the series goes on yeah it was interesting when Kazin realized that ace must be a time traveler um so at this point we realize there's a lot to be explained about who Kazin is mm-hmm. um and it all summed up with um the rocket men reveal were you familiar with the rocket men from big finish Oh no, I wasn't. I saw. I just thought that was a nickname that they gave them because they were using uh, jetpacks. Yeah. So, so you didn't feel lost at all there, no. No, no, I didn't. Right. Cause I haven't listened to them, but I'm quite familiar. It's starting off in the Companion Chronicles. Right. And um, there's been quite a few of them over the years. That's another thing where this story ties into the larger Big Finish universe, mm-hmm. and I think that's quite an acceptable thing because this is celebrating 20 years of Big Finish, isn't it? Oh yes, without doubt. But but that's very interesting because I I wasn't obviously that these are these are things that uh, if you're fully aware of everything that Big Finish have done, you're notice noting these things. But with someone such as myself, um, no, I I wasn't aware that that was actually a specific reference to something. I, I yeah, I just thought it was a nickname. Oh, that's know, cool. Cool, you didn't feel lost for that. Yeah. No, no, I didn't. Um, <laughs> I was just. Alright, I'm just surprised at that. Because I know that the, um, it was said that they were space pirates. Yes. And I thought that was maybe a reference to the Patrick Troughton story, the space pirates. Yes. Um, but, uh, alright, okay. What did you say? Rocket Men. The Rocket Men. There's Return of the Rocket Men. Requiem of the Rocket Men. I don't know. Alright. <laughs> There's a few. Uh-huh. Companion Chronicles, yeah. Alright, okay. I wonder if anyone kind of clicked on, any of the listeners... Because of course we had um, an explosion in the yard at the bank when mm-hmm. the when Kazan and his men disappeared, and Gilmore heard a little explosion outside. Mm-hmm. So obviously that was the the rockets. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. But I thought that oh, they must be teleporting through time or something, because <laughs> they kept going on about a teleport, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, they did. But at the same time, it was sort of like ah, I'm not quite sure. Maybe there's another explanation. But yeah, there, there was quite a time when there was. Uh, Maybe they thought there was some sort of teleportation thing going on. Yeah. But I suppose it makes sense uh, that it, it would be the, the jetpacks, and which makes sense at the very beginning why Thunderball gets name-checked. Because right, okay. if, if you've ever seen that, at the, at the pre-title sequence of Thunderball, James Bond is seen using a jetpack. Oh, right, okay. And I liked how, uh, even though he's the villain, I think he, he's got a good ranking of the Bond movies because Goldfinger is better than Thunderball. Right. Although Goldfinger, in my opinion, is overrated, but that's another story. See, it's hard for me to say because I, I had it on video as a kid, and I've just played it to death. Oh, right. So to, to me, it's a childhood movie that um, can't be hated. <laughs> no, don't get me wrong. I, I, I mean, I do enjoy I do enjoy Thunderball, but um, oh, it is a bit too slow paced, and it needed a bit more editing. But I'd happily watch it. But mm-hmm. I do think it is a it, uh, Goldfinger is the better movie. Mm. Yeah. If I'm just comparing those two. Oh, I'm determined to take this podcast down a James Bond route now. But anyway. <laughs> um, it was nice of Ace and Gilmore to let the girls jump out with the parachutes. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> also left behind. Um, but then Ace falls out the plane. That would have been a good um, cliffhanger, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah, that would have, yeah, that would have yeah. been excellent. Yeah. Um, funnily enough, I was hoping... I, my imagination was going for a kind of Tennant Smith style kind of TARDIS rescue in midair, and that's kind of what we got with uh, McCoy, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was, and uh, I quite like that as well. 
because it, it did it did tie it in in terms of the TARDIS abilities of what we've seen in the new series. Yeah. Um, so that that was a good moment. I did quite like that. Group Captain Gilmore um, takes the jetpack. Mm-hmm. I think in reality, he probably would have crashed and died. Do you think? Probably, because I think uh, the dude. The, 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 I would ex- uh, expect that you would need some uh, some training to use it properly. Yeah, I think that the fact that he's RAF isn't um, doesn't qualify really. <laughs> no. You can't just jump in a jetpack. <laughs> <laughs> but it's um, like, oh, do you remember that advert for uh, for army recruitment, which was, um, if you can mend a bike, you can mend a car. If you can mend a car, you can mend a helicopter. If you can mend a helicopter, you can mend a rock. And it's just like, no, it doesn't work like that. That's just right. No. Anyway. So, so maybe it's that. If you if if you know how to pilot a plane, you know how to use a jetpack. Yeah. He seems to land okay, though. Yeah, well, you know, that's the main thing. Yeah. Maybe it had no autopilot. <laughs> um, but Kazan falls to his death. And he fades away in the 70s. Yeah. Stupid man. Yep. Yeah, the Punch and Twins hold hands, and um, the last of the Rocket Men disappear. Do you think um, they might turn up? Because the question was asked, where have they gone? Uh, it's possible, but I th- although they're a bit leaderless now, aren't they? Yeah, and I, I think probably if they, if they if that is picked up in this story, I'd actually be a bit surprised if I'm honest. I mean, it would be quite nice. Because I, I think, obviously, the main mystery is who on earth was punching. I suppose, yeah. You can't have too many coincidental connections, can you? No, because sometimes... It's it, not it, to defy belief, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And especially because the way that we, the way that we are thinking is that it's, it's that punching element which we think will be picked up on later on in the story. Yeah. I mean, we may be wrong, but that's what we're sort of thinking. So there's something mentioned that perhaps will benefit from knowing this, or perhaps um, you might wish they didn't do this, but the Doctor talks about the consequences of this time anomaly. Um, and then he mentions <laughs> of someone who we know as the Brig retiring in the 70s and working in the 80s. And it, um, uh, it, it dares to um, answer the whole dating issue. <laughs> yes, the unit dating controversy. Yeah, I actually quite liked that. I thought it was a nice cheeky joke. Because um, uh, for those who are listening who aren't aware of this, it's sort of when unit was first established uh, in the TV series in the late Patrick Troughton era, going into the John Pertwee. The idea was that it was five years in the future, but then later on, when we got into the eighties with I think particularly Mordred Undead that was sort of written out and the stories weren't unit stories weren't set five years in the future they were set when they were originally broadcast type thing so that threw things out of sync so that's then caused this thing which is the unit dating controversy um just in case people weren't aware of what it was we were referring to um And this has become. A th- I mean, I've never really been particularly bothered about it, but it is a thing that uh, you know uh, fandoms try to have some fun with and trying to um, make sense of it. Yeah. And I, I thought I actually thought that this was quite nice that uh, John Doney is um, written into a story as a way of trying to explain it, and I quite liked it. I thought it was I thought it was quite witty and quite humorous, and it did make me chuckle. I mean, what did you think? Did you like it? 
yeah, it was fine. It wasn't um, too absurd. I'm fine. <laughs> it's never really bothered me anyway. No. You could probably look at any era of Doctor Who, especially like um, the new era, which is very, very grounded in the lives of these characters. And you could also say that the dates probably don't add up there. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, there's there's always things about uh, certain elements of continuity which the show hasn't followed. And you go, well, yeah, because it's all at the end of the day, it's all about telling uh, an engaging story. Yeah. Um, so uh, a couple of days ago, uh, again at the time of recording, there was something to do with the Loch Ness Monster um, t- uh, trending on Twitter. And Big Finish uh, did a thing about how it was absolutely disgraceful that the Saracen was- wasn't trending on Twitter. <laughs> and, and then I responded by going, no, it's absolutely disgraceful that the Borad from Time Lash isn't trending. Because th- at the end of that story, it's it's a, it's hinted that the Borad actually becomes the Loch Ness Monster. Um, okay. You know, so, but that, you know that's an element of continuity. Of going, has anyone tried to uh, try to work out the continuity between Time Lash and Terror of the Zygons? <laughs> Does anyone want to? <laughs> <laughs> we'll put aside the whole podcast for that. Uh, we will indeed. Yes, there's always um, continuity issues with the new era because there's always this subtle retcon where all of a sudden no one knows who the Daleks are. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, in, in um, the Christmas invasion, David Tennant was like, oh, this this is a new Earth, you know, you can't deny the existence of aliens now. And of course, um, the Earth was invaded a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone remembered the Cybermen, the planets in the sky. Uh-huh. Um, then Amy didn't remember the Daleks, and we put that down to the, the crack in our wall. I think, I mean, at least that was sort of narratively explained. And the thing is, it's, <laughs> I think it did that did need to happen. Um, because the, these uh, every series there were these massive invasions of Earth and they they were getting bigger and bigger and bigger, um, so there had to be a point of going well we're going to have to reset this how, how do we narratively explain that um, and that's something that will happen in the new series because funny enough in the classic series it sort of worked in that scene in Remembrance of the Daleks where um, the Doctor is talking to Ace and he went do you remember the Loch Ness monster. Or there's a, uh, and the Zygon Gambit and the Yeti and the Underground and she's like, what on earth are you talking about? <laughs> uh, and he's going, you know, uh, and he's basically going, you know, uh, humans have this uh, ability for complete self-deception. It's crazy. No one's mentioned um, the awful six months or so that was Miracle Day. Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. You would, th- yeah, you would think yeah. that would, uh... but everyone forgot. Yeah. And Darkwater as well. All the buried bodies um, coming back as Cybermen. So I like that story, but it was when they did the zi- um, cyber break. break. Yeah, it's oh, just, yeah. oh, f- you've gone too far now. Maybe the, there was a good intention there. Oh, yeah, I think I, th- I think there was a good intention <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, there wasn't bad intentions. No, but... Sure. Um, oh, but you know, no good deed goes unpunished. Um, yeah, it was, yeah, it was a bit of a shame. Hopefully, there's no big finish spin-off. It works. <laughs> Don't give them ideas, because obviously they listen to this. Um... <laughs> no, I don't. Th- I don't think anyone wants that. I think we're fine. Yeah. Does anyone listen to this? The listener figures are going up. That's the main thing. Yeah, I was starting to think there was some kind of boycott that we didn't know about. <laughs> well, it's just like, Liam said something mildly controversial on this podcast. We're boycotting the damn thing. 
before we go to a conclusion, there's a couple of responses I'll read out. All right, yeah, brilliant. On Facebook, um, Jason says, Although enjoyable, at an 8 out of 10, it was my least favourite story of the set. It felt too much like a countermeasure story, guest star and the Doctor and Ace, um, instead of the other way around. As I'm indifferent to countermeasures, giving them the spotlight um, was the mark against this story for me. Oh, okay, but I mean, he still gives it uh, eight out of ten, so he still, uh, still, he still found it enjoyable. But, the, but you said that it was the least, his least favorite of Legacy. Did you say? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's uh, that's interesting. Um, I can did understand. You feel like the spotlight was too much on the countermeasures. Well, now that you mention, yes, probably. Because, yeah, I, th- I think actually, I mean, I really enjoyed it, and this, uh, as I said earlier, I would uh, listening to this, I would like to go and listen to the countermeasures uh, adventures because I, I i did like uh, the repartee those characters coming back but yes i think actually uh jason said it quite well which it feels like this is a countermeasures adventure with the doctor and ace guest starring because yeah. uh, in comparison yeah he's right the, the focus is less on them um it did show off the doctor and ace's strengths how they can work apart yes yeah, that's yeah, true. yeah yes. at the same time working together yeah Mm. I mean, that's the thing. I think I think Jason actually has uh, has provided a good um, summing up of the, of the approach of the, the story. Um, I th- it's just that difference of opinion. I I thought I quite liked that, but as I said, I, I haven't listened to the countermeasure uh, stories, um, and I, I would definitely like to do that based based on this. Yeah. Ian on Facebook said it was fine. But I'd love to have Hex or Mel or I don't know someone to make it more stand out as a big finish as and seven. Ace and countermeasures isn't that special anymore. Oh, okay, right. I guess if you looked at it like that, the probably it probably didn't touch upon the strengths of the Seventh Doctor monthly range. But I think we all wanted a Doctor and Ace story, didn't we? I think so. I mean, they're definitely. Um, I think they're definitely one of the best. Um pairings of a, of a, a doctor and a companion and it works really really well i mean if, even if you just base it on the the television series it, it is really really good and uh the fact that it's been announced that the next blu-ray box set um coming out at the end of this year is season 26 uh, t- t- like a lot of people uh if you've seen the reactions are really looking forward to it because it's some it's got some classic uh, stories in there it's arguably one of the best series yeah uh, and of course, it's it's the Doctor and Ace at uh, arguably at their best. Totally, yeah. I was actually tempted to pre-order it, but I haven't got any of the Blu-rays yet, so I don't want an incomplete set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not too late to go and buy the um, the old ones. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I'd recommend is you remortgage your house and then you buy. <laughs> I think because uh, sorry, who who provided that? That was Ian. Ian, yeah. I think it's interesting how he mentioned how he, he would have preferred uh, listening to Mel. I know that later on, Big Finish uh, do bring her back as a companion. And I'd be interested to know, well, to listen, uh, how, um, how how Big Finish handled her character. Yeah, have you listened to the Fires of Vulcan? Uh, no, not yet. I think that's the first um, Seventh Doctor and Mel story. I really like that. Yeah, because I was thinking, because I think uh, I know that Bonnie Langford comes in for a lot of flack, 
but I think actually she played the part of Mel really rather well. <laughs> Sorry, just that that rhymes a bit. Um, especially when she's introduced to in the trial of a time lord, there's something really nice about someone who's just uh, up for the adventure and kind of does actually get on with the Doctor. I just yeah. think it's a shame with even I love Paradise Towers. Uh, it's one of my favourite uh, stories, but it's not perfect. And one of the problems that I have with it is uh, the way that Mel is written. Someone who was, you know, able to deal with the vervoids and all the rest of it suddenly is getting tremendously excited about visiting a bloody swimming pool. I mean, I like swimming, but geez. Um, so th- the problem with Mel isn't so much the actress playing her. It's more the way she was sort of written, yeah. which was a bit of a shame. I think there's a bit of a missed opportunity there because when you consider that... She was a future Doctor companion mm-hmm. when you look at Trial of a Time Lord and Terror of the Vervites. Yeah. Um, the Sixth Doctor hadn't met her yet. Yes, yeah. Um, and the only thing I can compare this to is River Song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a potential there to um, encounter a younger Mel. Yeah, or, or or do something. It's uh, yeah, there, there was a, there was opportunity there, and it's it's a shame that it sort of wasn't. It wasn't sort of explored, but then it's it's a bit weird. With uh, well, I mean, one of the aspects of of classic Doctor Who, which is a bit weird, is that it doesn't really uh, explore the notion of time travel. No, uh, totally. I think um, it's certainly there in stories like Day of the Daleks, but no, it's it's very rarely done. And with the split infinitive. I think you've really got to commend the writing for this because I know I got a bit confused, but <laughs> that aside, this split narrative really holds well together, doesn't it? Yes, very much so. And I think uh, one of the things that I really liked about uh, John Doney's writing wasn't just the the story, and you know we we said that we feel it was balanced out with uh, the action and the humor and so on. But this actually felt like it could have been a televised story from the late eighties. Uh, there's something about the feel of it. Um, I mean, obviously, it's using the countermeasure team, which is who are introduced in *Remembrance of the Daleks*. But I felt like this could have, you know, this could—I don't know—it's this could have been a good um, televised spin-off in the '90s or something like that. It was just yeah. something about something about the period which which fit very well. Probably would have to see the skydiving and the rocket men off-screen. <laughs> you know, you <laughs> see people's reactions like. <gasps> <laughs> Yeah, there is that, yes. <laughs> or just dodgy CSO or something. But... Yeah. There would have been some last-minute rewrites, like, we can't get a plane, we can get a bus. <laughs> yeah. We can't do Rocket Man. how about the Wheeler Man? Just on, like, roller, roller skates or something. Oh, the Wheeler Man, yeah. All these gangsters on um, roller skates. No. <laughs> All goes a bit cyberpunk, yeah. And time for one more... Listener's reaction? Mm-hmm. Well, I've got one here from the Doctor Who Target World podcast. Thought it was a little bit complicated sometimes, but really enjoyed it because having the team from Remembrance of the Daleks there and Sylvester and Sophie um, were great and good music. Otherwise, a bit complicated in some parts, um, but a good episode. So, yeah, obviously got a bit confused, just like me. <laughs> yeah. No, I, th- I, th- I can understand that. I think um, it is... You know, when you're dealing with the complexities of time, it, it it can perhaps be a bit difficult to follow. But I actually thought that the explanations were handled yeah. quite well, and you know the way that certain things were revealed, you know, it, it 
started to make sense the more that the story went and so yeah. if, i mean for me certainly by the time that it it ended so um just as a comparison with lies and ruins to this of the two which do you do, which do you prefer oh this uh, i think i'm gonna have to pick lies and ruins oh okay why is that just because it feels like it feels like a more important story to the doctor Ah, uh, uh, right, okay. When you consider the split infinitive, mm-hmm. which is a great story, but it's a story that's not necessary. But the lies and ruins, it feels like a good part of the Eighth, Do- Eighth Doctor's arc, some great moments with River and Benny. Mm-hmm. So if I was to pick one of the two, I'd pick with lies and ruins. Ah, right, okay. I like the music and the whole tone of it. Mm-hmm. It felt more like a movie, and this felt more like... um. Doctor Who of the 80s mm-hmm. in the 60s and the 70s <laughs> no no I, I know what you mean oh, okay so if I was to score anything let's have a think um, so although it was a good story logistically it was a well kind of intertwined narrative like I said um, yeah I haven't listened to but I'm aware of the Rocketman stories as I was saying so it'd be good to check them out mm-hmm. um, the main reason I never got round to listening to those is that I'm not a big finished completist I know you, you're you not as well are you Liam um, no no I'm not when it comes to all the spin-offs mm-hmm. I mean I'm getting more into big finishes as time's going on and I'm, I'm certainly a completist when it comes to the Blake 7 stuff because I'm really really enjoying that um, and as time's going on I'm getting more and more into the into the Doctor Who and there, is, there are things in there there's original ones that They've done something on there, Cicero, which I, I really want to listen to. There's that they've done. Um, I fa- looked into it recently, and I saw that there's um, audio adventures for Captain Scarlet and the Mister on. So it's like, oh, I've got to listen to that. And the Avengers stuff's pretty good. I, w- I kind of wish I was more of an Avengers fan because the them, um, like Doctor Who, some of the Avengers stories are lost. So um, mm-hmm. Big Finish has recreated them, and now they've went on to dramatizing the comic strips as well ah no i didn't know that right okay that that's interesting yeah. oh something else because I, I really like the prisoner uh the 1960s uh, tv ah, okay, series yes. and i know that big finish have have done uh sort of their own adaptations of of um of the prisoner as well as original stories on it so yeah. that's that's another series that big finish have done which i'd quite like to get into yeah. survivors another one Oh yes, yeah. But yeah, it's cool that they've brought in the Rocket Men and all these other references. Um, I've only kind of dipped in and out of the Companion Chronicles over the years. I've never went for the complete set. It's just some of the more standout stories. Um, but yeah, the inclusion of them kind of feels right. You know, it's a celebration of Big Finish um, mm-hmm. in their bigger universe. So why not include them? You know, some of the mm-hmm. original villains. The same could be said about the Eminence in... Well, they had a quite a monumental return. They were... A, I think the Eminence cropped up in a Fourth Doctor and a Sixth Doctor stories, which, like the Rocketman, I haven't explored yet, but um, when the Eminence came into Dark Eyes in such a big way... Yeah, it was pulled off quite well. You don't know what I'm talking about, do you, Liam? Sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine, but the listen as well, so that's yeah. good. But yeah, it's great having original villains to big finish isn't it oh yeah yeah, yeah. i welcomed the return of the countermeasures team it was quite cool i think 
it was quite accessible to me, even though I haven't listened to Countermeasures. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I felt exactly the same, yeah. And it's like, like uh, Lies in Ruins. I know I've said this before, but that was like, oh, I really need to get into the uh, Bernie Summerfield uh, audio adventures. This makes me definitely want to um, get into the Countermeasures stuff as well. Because uh, when, when we were comparing the two, because actually the way that you, the, the reason why you prefer Lies and Ruins, um, I totally agree. It has a sort of, it, it, it feels more epic. Yes. There is a filmic quality to it. It's certainly a story on a much larger scale. And it, it does feel that um, there are massive consequences to, to what's going on. And there is uh, a big... You know, the, we, the, the, you know the, the way that the Eighth Doctor is, is characterised there and the relationship between the companions and the certain revelations that take place in there, you know, lies and ruins in comparison to Split Infinity does feel more important. Yeah. So, yeah, I, th- I think that's a very good um, a, a very good summing up comparing to the Split Infinity. Yeah. But funny enough, even though I still like lies and ruins, I actually prefer the Split Infinity. Um and this, it's just down a matter of taste, I think. I, I, I do like the more... I don't know what it is. I, I, I think I much prefer the sort of the more grounded story, if you like, mm. compared to Lies and Ruins. It, it just appeals more to me for, for, from that point of view. Um, I mm. just felt it was a bit more engaging and a bit more, bit more easy to get into. And I, I think it, because it was more enjoyable... I think that yes. was the thing. I mean, don't get me wrong. I do, I, I do enjoy um, strong, dramatic, atmospheric stories. Um, but Split Infinitive, I just found much more more accessible. I, yeah, to much more accessible. A lot more interesting. And I think that's the thing as well because I'm really, I, I really like sort of d- detective stories, and I'm a big Bond fan. Yeah. So this sort of this appealed to me on that sense because this is it, so this is Doctor Who meets James Bond type thing. So. It's got two things that I'm a massive fan of pr- done really well. So I think for that reason, it, 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 it's naturally going to appeal to me more. Um, so that's why I, I prefer it over Lies and Ruins. Um, yeah, I definitely, the big finish, I'm definitely going to get their, their money out of me because I want to get into Bernie Summerfield. Oh, no, I leave. And the just like, too. <laughs> it was like all her... I'm sure she had eight series on single disc release and then half a dozen box sets and now it's the new adventures of Bernie Summerfield box sets. <laughs> Fantastic. Like, where but do you begin? Yeah, that's true. But I think, uh, I think I'll probably get into countermeasures uh, first. Okay. And I'd probably... Uh, I'd probably rank this 9 out of 10. Okay. I went with 8 out of 10. That's still respectable. That's still good. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how it'll compare to the the next bunch of stories. The sacrifice is so of their so grand. The sacrifice of Joe Grant sounds good. Intriguing. Yeah, and I think someone I forgot who because it was a little while ago. But someone got in contact with us on Twitter. Sorry, I, I forgot who it was. But I, I remember they were saying that uh, the sacrifice of Joe Grant was their um, their favorite. And I think quite a few people have actually said that as well. Um, so yes, I'm certainly looking forward to listening to that one. So yeah, that's a great score. You said nine out of ten, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think I just marked it down for the complexities of the narrative. Maybe if I give it another listen, I'll um, it'll flow a lot better. Uh, possibly, yeah. So any unanswered questions? 
Oh, fine on Yeah. Um, just that punching dude. Yeah, I think that's probably really the the big unanswered que- uh, question: uh, who is punching? Yeah. And will it actually be revealed later on in Legacy if um, if all that stuff to do with him is you know is revealed for? Well, we don't actually know what happens in the rest of the story, but obviously it's some something to do with um, time distortions and all the rest of it. And yeah. does it all emanate from this chap punching? Yeah. And is it linked to the TARDIS planet? <laughs> yeah. My money's on that. <laughs> yeah, I'm but... Call, uh... I'm calling it. <laughs> yeah, but it, um I mean, at the moment, it seems to be the only thing that makes sense. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. Time will tell. It always does. It, yep. 